Hello and welcome once again to Ancient Ways for Modern Days. I am Stephen Klukas filling in for Andrew Wynn. And today with me I have, back from the past, Michael Freeman. How are you, sir? Hey, man. It is good to be back and uh, I miss being with you guys. And today it's just you and I because Andrew... He is on the injured reserve. Yeah, he's been working out too hard. Yeah, that CrossFit got to him finally, and so he's taken uh, he's taken a few days to recover and to rest. And uh, and so you and I, we we get to do a podcast together. It's true. Now, granted, Andrew does deserve a break from time to time, but I am excited to just be here so we can bounce some things off of each other and talk about some theology again. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna get back into uh, resolutions with Jonathan Edwards. Um, but before it would be great to just kind of hear what's going on in Steven's life. Yeah. Yeah. Steven's life has been a whirlwind of activity this last couple of weeks. Um, I think the last time I was on the show, I was talking about gardening and getting involved in some of those household projects that are coming up on the summer. But very recently, my uh, wife discovered that we're going to have another child. Yes. And so our house has been absolute chaos as she's suffering through the initial stages of that. So Major props to my wife for suffering for our family, but that has been a challenge for me to be dad to a almost two-year-old and husband to a ailing wife, and so it's it's just been an amazing experience, if I can put it that way. You know, I, I kind of forget those times, those seasons. Right? You know, my my youngest is six, Asher is six, and so I've it's distant enough of a memory that I forget how, especially the first trimester of a pregnancy can really wreak havoc on a gal and the sickness and the nausea and all that. And just, you know, I remember my Jessica, we both have wives named Jessica, but you know, that, that feeling where she was like, she just wants to help. She just wants to do the normal things of a mom and she couldn't. Right. That's really hard. And yet, you know, God gives us you know, a pair. And so you get to fill in and you get to do a lot of extra stuff. And so it's been cool seeing you care for your family. It is true. And, uh, and try to survive the, the Lachlan. And that is really the truth of it. I mean, it is undoubted that I am not mom. It's just, <laughs> that is fact. Yeah. Well, well, you guys are doing good though, huh? Yeah, we're doing really well now. Jessica has been on the up and up. So, uh, I'm, I'm here. And so that's, that's testimony there. Um, how about you? What's been going on with your family? Yeah, Freemans are doing really good. We're having a lot of fun. I think we've we average seven baseball or softball games a week. And so just a lot of ball going on right now and and enjoying that a ton. Had a fun game last night and uh, with Ella and her 12U team. Besides the baseball and the softball and the T-ball, um, I missed a few weeks of podcasting. Last week, I was catching up admin stuff. And the week before, you guys gave me a week off because I was writing a basically a term paper. And, uh, and so I appreciated the time off to basically zero in for an entire week and read and write and study. And, and it went well. And so that seminar is over. And um, I'm actually personally gearing up for the next one. And, uh, and so that's kind of fun. I'll kind of you you rest for two weeks and then you get right back after it with right. uh hundreds of pages of reading and lots of writing and and uh a lot of growth so Man, that things are good awesome things i have to look forward to right things are good and, and actually uh we started a new series this last weekend on being on track and that was really fun preaching through acts as we prepare to walk through first thessalonians and so we kind of gave the this the origin story of the Thessalonican church that's right and um and now this weekend i've actually i finished my message outline this morning um because i'm so excited about it and i'm ready to to go for this coming weekend so a lot, a lot of good stuff and the sun is shining people are mowing their lawns outside and 
that that's what's going on around that the valley. That is cool. So you're talking about uh, starting a new series. What else has been going on in the life of the church that maybe our listeners haven't been clued into? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're kind of just riding, I guess, some of the Easter we- Easter wave as, you know, lo- lots happens right after Easter. And so we've got a, a welcome lunch this weekend with, uh, you know, a handful of new folks that have been checking out Valley since right. Easter. And then the weekend after that, we have a baptism and communion service yeah. planned. And uh, you and I were just talking about that this morning because we're trying to figure out how to fit worship in with, I, I think we're going to baptize enough people that we're not going to have very many songs to sing because we're not going to have, you know, we don't want to be there for four hours. And so we uh, trying yeah, to figure out how some of us don't want to be there for four hours. Yeah, this is true. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if my kids would last. I don't know if I'd last four hours on a Sunday night, but uh, that said, we're, we're going to have a great celebration in a, a little over a week. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to that. It's it's just going to be another great time. And honestly, I love any opportunity that we have to really come together as the church outside of normal worship services. Because while I love worship services, those other extra things, the baptism, communion, those are times where the church really comes together and it just feels so unified, yeah, right? I really love does. it. It really does. That's cool, man. And then today, um, I just had a great conversation with Jeff Brown. We're, we've got some plans for our missions stuff that's going to be happening. We have a potential mission trip to Texas this summer that Very cool. is just in the early stages of figuring it out. And so if someone's listening to this and they'd be interested, shoot us an email, send, send in a, a request for some information because we're, we're kind of in the, the first stages of prepping that. Um, but today, uh, really what we're here for is to talk about Jonathan Edwards, as we've been working through his resolutions, and we're uh, this is the second to last week of working through his resolutions, so we're almost done. So if you're one of our listeners that have been like, when are they going to be done with this? The end is in sight, and if you're one of our listeners that have loved to think through just a different person's perspective on how they lived, well, this is going to end soon, and then the next will come. But uh, today we're talking about not the vivification of, of righteousness, which we talked about a few weeks ago, which is what that is. Well, vivification is bringing things to life. I I just loved, I I, sorry. I was flashing back to that episode as every time we said vivification, Andrew was saying vivication. And I was like, no, you got to say it. Viva vacation. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. And so bringing to life, like bringing things to life, like living into the newness of life that you have. I think about, you know, Romans six, three through four, which talks about how we, we we've been baptized into Christ and into his death that we might walk in the newness of life. That's right. Right. So then today we're talking about the opposite of putting things to life. Yeah. Talking about mortification, mortification. This is when you take something out back uh, behind the shed and you beat it till it's dead. Right. Oh man. (laughs) This is, this is killing. And what are we killing? It's the mortification of sin, sin. Sin. And so the reality is all of us, we, we live with this sin nature that wants to rule, that its power has been broken over us. Like this is the, the truth of the scripture. Sin no longer has the controlling power over your life, yet it tempts us. And we have these old habits and these old ways. And we live in a right. world where, where there's influence of sin and there's temptation and there's seduction and all of these things. And so what do we do? What do we do with our sin? And the answer in the scripture is to kill it. And so Jonathan Edwards, some of his resolutions, it acknowledged it. He didn't say, oh, you know, I'm going to act like I don't battle with this. I'm going to act like I'm perfect. I'm going to act like I have no, no temptation and no sin. He, he acknowledged it. Right. 
You know, it's um, it's like that imagery. I think Andrew was uh, talking about it not too long ago of inside a person, there are two dogs and which one's going to win, but the one you feed and one dog is like life and the other dog is sin. But uh, in this case, this isn't just ignoring your sin. This is actually combating it. This isn't dancing with it or just saying, oh, hey, it's it's not there. And if I leave it alone long enough, it will it will not win. This is actually going to war, going to battle. This is a scene from Old Yeller. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a traumatic scene, That's actually. That's a terrible scene. Why would you say that? <laughs> so let's, uh, let's jump in. We're going to read a handful of resolutions, and we're going to talk about them as we do. And so why don't you jump in with resolution 23? Would you read that for us, Stephen? I certainly would love to. This is resolved frequently to take some deliberate action which seems most unlikely to be done for the glory of God and trace it back to the original intention, designs, and ends of it. And if I find it not to be for God's glory, to repute it as a breach of the fourth resolution. Yeah, so he's like resolutions on top of resolutions. Now, right, right. right. Uh, but he, here's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm going to take, I'm going to look for something I did deliberately and I'm going to examine it thoroughly. I'm going to examine the original intention, the designs and the plans I had in it. I'm going to examine the end of it. And I'm going to say, if, if I find that it's not for the glory of God, I'm going to, I'm going to judge it. Now that's, that's the callback to the fourth resolution, right? That's, that's where that comes in. Yep. And so the fourth resolution says, resolve never to do any manner of thing, whether in soul or body, less or more, but that tends or, but what tends to the glory of God, nor be, nor suffer it if I can possibly avoid it. So, so four is kind of like the, the vivification is I want to live for God. So here we are at 23 saying, examine what I'm doing. And if I'm not living for God, go kill it. That's right. He is saying, I'm going to not just look at my actions though, right? He's allowing his actions to kind of spark a, a mechanism in his life where he's doing some examination. He's saying, I did this. I did this deliberately. Why did I do this? Right? And so you think about our, our world today, I cut someone off or I responded poorly when someone cut me off. Right. Or I said something harsh to my wife or my child. And I'm going to take whatever it is that I've noticed that I've done deliberately. And I'm going to, I'm going to thoroughly examine it. This makes me think of the internal process that Paul describes in 2 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 3. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. We have have fleshly actions, but there's something bigger happening than just the the sharp words that come out of my mouth right? or the rude actions, right? There's something bigger. It's deeper. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And then he describes what these are. He, the strongholds are, he says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So strongholds, there are any ideas or any arguments or any opinions that, that exist in contrast to, to glorifying God. And so what he's doing here is he says, I'm going to examine anything going on internally in my thought life and my emotions and say, if I'm I'm going to identify any stronghold that exists inside of me, that's causing me to act this way. Right. So this can get pretty deep. Like this is some serious self-reflection. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Now that uh, actually reminds me of the class that uh, Andrew has been going through recently on uh, clarity and 
my understanding, I'm, I'm not personally in the class, but my understanding is that they look at like root causes of sinful actions and behaviors looking to find what those roots are. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's lots of roots, right? I mean, sometimes people err and they say, hey, all of our sin is based on trauma. Well, no, that's not true. Some of it, I mean, I've had trauma, traumatic experiences, right? We all have. And that would cause us to lead, live lives of sin, but it's not just trauma, right? Sometimes it's just straight up rebelliousness, right? Right. Sometimes it's deception and you, we've been deceived by the enemy. And so we're walking like, and so these, these root causes, they're, they're multifaceted, but they all end up landing in, in a wrong belief system, right? Thinking the wrong way about what, what is, who God is and what is true and who the Christ is. And then who I am, all of that you know, whether trauma or temptation or deception or my own rebelliousness, the very, very root of all that, I'm going to find wrong belief. And, you know, this actually leads very well. That's a great segue into um, Resolution 24, if you don't mind if I move on along here. Go for it. So resolved, whenever I do any conspicuously evil action, that's a sin, to trace it back till I come to the original cause and then both carefully endeavor to do so no more and to fight and pray with all my might against the original of it. Yep. Break this down. You, layman's terms. What would you say? This layman's terms. So whenever I sin, look at the roots until I come to that original cause and then... It says carefully endeavor to do so no more. So, so very watchfully examine my behavior so that I don't fall into that same trap and then seek spiritual help, you know, fight and pray with all my might against that root. Yeah. So this is the idea of Romans eight thirteen. So it says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit, you put to death, the deeds of the flesh, you will live. You know, I really want to underline if by the spirit right there, that's not talking about me and my own strength there. Yeah. This is not a, Hey, you should have more willpower, right? This is, Hey, you and I, in our battle against the flesh, we must have dependence upon the spirit of God who dwells inside of us. And, and remember, how, how powerful is the spirit? This is a spirit that by the power of the spirit, Christ was resurrected. That's right. Right. And this is a spirit that dwells in us. And so this is part of that newness of life we walk in. We walk in a newness of life by the spirit that says we have all the power we need provided not by ourselves, but by God to what he says here. He says to put to death, to mortify, to kill to kill the deeds of the flesh. Right. You know, and I think this is one area where, uh, I mean, I, I speak as a, as a guy, I don't know about the ladies in the listening, but whereas men, we really struggle to look for help. You know, we always think, well, I can do it. I just need to, to be more, be stronger, be, you know, man up and, and I can take care of whatever this problem is. But so often we, I mean, we're going to fall short of that. I mean, that's just how it is without that spiritual intervention. Our pride gets in the way, doesn't it? That's really it. Yeah. Yeah. Pride's been called the chief of the, the seven deadly sins. Or even, um, you know, it's, it's our own pride for certain, but also what we perceive as cultural expectation. And oh. not to say that that is cultural expectation, but what we perceive as cultural expectation that, you know, well, I can't say that there's a problem because I'm supposed to have it all together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, and you know, we're really good at adding a lot of expectations to ourselves. Yeah. You know, but, but his point here, he says, I'm not going to tame my sin. I'm not going to, um, you know, occasionally indulge my sin He says, I'm not going to, you know, let my sin live in one place and I'll live in a different place. He says, I'm going to kill it. That's right. Right. This is we're we're talking. This is like violent language. If by the spirit you put to death, 
the deeds of the flesh, you will you'll live, you'll walk in life. Another writer, Jonathan Owens, he says about this verse, he says, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. And you know that that's, that's warfare terminology. That's right. I mean, this isn't just, you know, an act of willpower to put myself under control. This is a fight. And Mm -hmm. really, I think that's something a lot of guys can actually identify with, right? Is this isn't just, I need to man up. This is, I need to go to war. Yeah. And so if you're in war, are you going to go and hang out in the enemy's camp? Well, if you're a spy, but I mean, generally speaking, though, generally speaking, you're not going to go and and just hang out with the enemy. Right. And so this means like you need to know yourself. You need to know like, hey, I, I probably shouldn't be watching TV. That's right. Uh, or certain shows on TV. Or I, I probably should be very careful about my screen time and especially my screen time alone. Right. I mean, I tell guys all the time, you should never have it, especially single guys. You should never have a screen in your room. That's right. Right. That's if right. you're alone with the screen in your room, bad stuff's going to happen. Right. In our home, kids don't get screens in rooms. I, you know, I don't even take my screen into my room. Right. Yep. Like I go to bed at night, my screen's in a completely different room. And why? So that I don't have any kind of fraternizing with the enemy. That's right. So that there's no like temptation being just like lured before me. If I'm at war, I'm going to do everything I can to protect myself and to kill my enemy. And, and so the enemy is not a person here. Yep. The enemy is our sinful flesh. And so be killing sin or sin will be killing you. This is his resolution. We keep going. Resolution 60. Go ahead. Uh, resolved. Whenever my feelings begin to appear in the least out of order, when I am conscious of the least uneasiness within or the least irregularity without, I will then subject myself to the strictest examination. So wait. What he's saying here is he had moments where he was emotionally off. He was emotionally off. Uneasiness within and uh, what's that? To appear in the least out of order. So that's just, that's, I'm not normal. I'm, I'm feeling off. Steven, you don't ever have moments like this, do you? Shh, whatever. No. I, I, I relate to this so much, right? I don't know what it is. There's times in my life, right? Maybe if I'm honest, if I come home and I've had just a, full day and I've been grinding all day, whatever I've been working on, reading, writing, counseling, all that stuff. And, and I don't know what it is about walking home and all of a sudden my, my guards down a little bit and something goes awry and it's like a spark in my mind or in my emotions where all of a sudden I feel like the grumpiness welling up inside of me. Yeah. And it's like this, I'm coming home to my family who I love and my kids who I, you know, I'm, I just take joy in and, and all of that. And yet all of a sudden I'm, I'm on edge and, uh, and I've had to learn how to tame that and how to, how to fight that and how to battle that in particular for me after like a, a super busy day where I'm just mentally, emotionally just poured it all out. And then I come home and I can so easily give my worst to my family and my best instead of my best to my family. Right. That's right. And, uh, and so Edwards experience this. I experience this. You never do. Right. Um, but unless you ask my wife, in which right? case, but what he, he does here is he says, I'm going to slow down when I'm emotionally off in a sense. He says, I'm going to take a time out. Um, this is great advice, by the way, especially as you get to have teenagers and you, you sense like in a conversation, things start to get heated. Um, one of the greatest tools, is, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but to take a time out say, Hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to pray for a few minutes and I'm going to calm down so that I don't say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing right now. And for my kids to see me do that, and then they end up going to do the same thing. It changes the conversation. It it sees, 
it helps me make sure I have their best interest, not just winning and crushing them in that moment at, at heart, right? This reminds me of James chapter 1, 19 and 20. I don't know if you want to read that for us. Yeah, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Yeah. Our default is the opposite of every one of these instructions. Yeah. My, my, uh, how often is our default this? To, to be slow to hear, to be quick to speak, to be quick to be angry, right? Like that, that is our just default as mankind, right? Absolutely. I mean, look around and see how many people are using anger as a justification for what is right. Mm-hmm. You know, outrage. Yep. Uh, I got an example from last night, you know, softball game and uh, it's 12 U rec softball, right? It's now, there's there, for people like me that don't know what that means. So it's 12 and under age group. Rec means it's not like highly, highly competitive. There's no, you know, standings. There's no playoffs, nothing like that. Okay. And it's really for the girls to have a good time and to learn the game. Right. And, uh, and we didn't have an umpire. And so we ended up splitting the umping between me and a coach from the other team. And, uh, you know, he made some calls I didn't like, and, uh, I, I really resisted saying anything. Well, then I made some calls he didn't like, and he didn't resist saying anything. And so I didn't want to resist saying anything like, mm, yeah. and it just, it got to a moment where like, instead of being quick to listen, instead of being slow to speak, instead of being slow to anger, both of us were leaning in to be the opposite of each of those. Right. right. And it kind of took a walking away moment for both of us to say, let, you know, what are we doing here? You know, that's right. And, uh, but it's, it's, it's interesting how quickly even something like 12 U softball can, can get you going in the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, and so Edward's resolution, he says, I am going to slow down. I am, I am going to take this break. I am going to stop and I'm going to examine myself before I to go too far. And this is incredible advice. Think about this in marriage. Think about this in parenting. Think about this with your coworkers. Think about this with your neighbors. Please, please think about this in church and ministry as you're working side by side with people who you have different opinions about things, but you both want the same big vision to be accomplished, that God being glorified. This is so valuable to just slow down, stop and think, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because really what you're doing is you're making sure that you have the right enemy. I mean, if we're going back to the warfare analogy here is, is the enemy, the person sitting across from me, or is the enemy, my emotional reaction? Yep. So what if, uh, the person you're having an issue with isn't a believer? So even more so, how much more do you need to display the grace of Christ and be self-controlled and not fly off the handle because they don't have that same temperance from, you know, walking with the Holy spirit and studying the scriptures. So that's right. And we got to remember they're not the enemy. Exactly. Right. Paul says in second Timothy two twenty six, he says that they have been captured by the devil and are led along to do as well. We mentioned that this last week in right. our message, right? Uh, those who are uh, antagonistic toward the gospel, those who are against Christ, they're not the enemy. What they are is they're captives of the enemy. They don't realize it and they're being led along unwillingly uh, or unwittingly to do the, the work of the enemy. So they do the work of the enemy, but they're not the enemy. Absolutely. Right? That's a, a very important thing to remember. Well, we got a couple more here. Why don't you go ahead and hit 68? Let's do this. 68 resolved to confess frankly to myself all that which 
excuse me, all that which I find in myself, either infirmity or sin, and if it be what concerns religion, also to confess the whole case to God and implore needed help. Uh, This one's wordy. Can you walk me through this one? Yeah, I think we want to zero in on the word confess. The word confess when used in the scripture means to speak the same. So when we say we're going to speak the same, we're actually saying I'm going to speak the same thing God speaks. And so when it comes to our sin, when we confess, we say the same exact thing about our sin that God says. That's not a comfortable thing, right? No. Because what do we end up saying about our sin? I'm a sinner. Yeah. And I need to kill it. It, it, What we say is what I'm doing is wrong. Exactly. And and generally, we don't want to be wrong. Mm -hmm. We want to be right. (laughs) There's that pride thing again. And so this is us in repentance and confession saying, I am going to say the same thing God says about my sin. And so he's going to confess, first of all, to, to God and, and in a sense, be honest with himself. He's going to be honest with himself about what's going on in his life and whatever he's found in his life, if it's uh, sin or infirmity, he, he's going to say, especially if it concerns religion. So pursuit of God, I'm just going to be honest about it. Right. I'm going to be honest that I'm a sinner. I'm going to be honest that what I just did was wrong. That's hard to do. It is. Like I said, our pride can get in the way. But but what happens when we confess? 1 John 1.9 actually says, here's what happens when we confess our sin to God. We'll go ahead and read it. Yeah, 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah, so this describes God in two ways. What are the two ways it describes God? Faithful and just. Yeah, wow. Dude, to be faithful means to be true, right? To, to not fail. So, so God is going to be true to his character in his love toward us. And then he's going to be just. Well, justice towards sin is a scary thing. It most certainly is. And so how is God just toward our sin? Well, if you have been cleansed by the blood of Christ, then that sin has already been paid for. And now you stand before God in Christ's righteousness. That's right. And so because of God's character as faithful and just, what does this first say that God does? Well, he, he, I want to say he punishes the sin, but that has already been done now. So I want to know where you're going here because I'm, I'm struggling here. Because if we, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. Yeah. That's based on who God is faithful and just, what does God do? He forgives and he cleanses. That's it. His justice has been poured out on Christ. You're exactly right. And so now, now we stand as those who are clean. There it is. Why would we not confess our sins? You know what I mean? Like our pride gets in the way, our maybe anxiety, maybe our you know desire to not be seen as wrong. Right. And yet when we're, we're unwilling to confess, we're just, we're missing out on what we really need, forgiveness and cleansing. <clears throat> and we confess to God primarily. We don't have a priest on earth, like some man that we have to go and confess to. Someone doesn't have to come to us and say, Hey, I need to confess my sins. Right? Like they don't have to do that to be made right with God. Right? There's only one mediator. There is one mediator. I sing a song about that. Yes. But what happens if we confess our sins to each other? I was going to say, I mean, it's actually very good to confess sins to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, because now you have support. Not only that, James five, verse 16, therefore, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, another that you may be healed. Right? So there's, there's a spiritual, the experiential healing that happens, right? This is not saying that your bum knee is going to be perfect and that, you know, your cancer is going to be gone. This is talking about there is an experiential, uh, spiritual experiential, um, occurrence 
when we're willing to confess our sins to each other, brother to brother, sister to sister, right? When we do that, there, there is a sense of healing that happens. That, that's incredible, right? I think about times in my life where I've confessed sin to another person, um, sin against them, or even just sin in my life that I, I hated carrying around alone, right? right. Freedom, healing, support, like encouragement. It has been amazing what you experience in that moment. And there's also been times in my life where I said, I'm just going to deal with this sin between me and God, and I'm not going to tell anyone else about it. And I'm going to play this game. And I, I, you know, I'll end up struggling and falling again or whatever. And it's not that I'm not forgiven, but that, that support and that healing that I experience when I go to someone else and say, can I just be honest? Here's what I'm really going through here. here's, Here's who I really am. Here's what I'm really doing the promise of the scripture is true. There's a healing that happens. Absolutely. And you know, there are other people who've walked before us. I mean, in the youth, we're talking about discipleship. We talk about learning from those who have been grown prior to us, right? Who, who know the scripture, who have walked in, you know, it just, they've walked in life more than we have. And so if I come to you and I say, Hey, I'm really struggling with controlling my anger when my son starts screaming, you know, he's, he's going on too, right? Um, I, th- I still think it's cute because he's just trying to see what his anger will get him. And so I'm just kind of like, oh, that's that's adorable. But if I were to do that, you've raised kids. You have the ability to give me advice, to support, and to, to point me towards the scripture in ways that has benefited you. And so if I were to do that on my own, if I were to just say, hey, handle it between me and God, I don't have that experience. You know, I can't be discipled and take advantage of, of the resources and the support that God's given me in the church if I'm going it alone. Right. Right. Yep. And so that's the gift of the church. That community, as we care for each other, as we walk with each other, as we're there for each other, as we remind each other of the gospel, as we remind each other of the forgiveness we have, even in our sin, there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of healing. And then that all lands us at this, this very last resolution for today. Right here. Resolution 56 resolved never to give over nor in the least to slacken my fight with my corruptions. However, unsuccessful I may be. So he says, I'm going to fail. I'm going to, I'm going to confess my sin. I'm going to resolve not to sin. I'm going to resolve to do everything for the glory of God. And then I'm going to take a corner and I'm going to trip and I'm going to fall right on my face. And there's going to be times where I willingly, willfully rebel against my savior. And in those moments, here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to say, yeah, I am such a loser. I'm just going to throw in the towel and forget about it. I'm not going to give up. That's right. I'm not, I'm not going to give up in my battle against sin. No matter how many times I get knocked down, I'm not going to throw in the towel. You know how easy it is. Is it for us to want to give up, man? that's like saying, you know, how easy is it to draw a breath? You know, it's, <laughs> let me ask this question. You've been following Christ. How long? Oh, longer than I know. Cause I, I came to faith probably around six. So let's say 26 years. Yep. So you got a lot of years in church, youth group, all that. A lot of time. And, uh, how many folks have you seen who once followed Christ Ooh, have given up? That's, that's a tough tough reality right there because yeah yeah, i've i've seen people just give up it's easier to just go their own way but then ironically i mean as as i'm thinking about these people 
they're not happier for it. No. <laughs> like they are just as miserable as they were when they were trying to follow Christ and if not more miserable. And every time I, I talk to them, it's always, yeah, man, life is so rough. Life's, you know, it's been hard, but you know, I, I keep trying and I keep trying and I'm like, man, but, but you're still miserable. Yeah. A lot of times they want to keep trying based on their own moral code. Yeah. And, and instead of realizing the free gift of grace that's offered in Christ that says your code's wrong, but I will forgive you and I will cleanse you and I will make you new. Now, now follow me and you'll stumble and you'll fall, but you, you can get back up again. That's something I Proverbs 24, 16, it says for the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. And of course that seven times isn't a literal seven times. Yeah. Right. It's, it's metaphorical saying that they, they just keep getting up. The righteous person, even if they fall, even if they stumble, because their eyes are on the Lord, they, they, they get back up. And I think the Lord actually picks us back up That's right. <laughs> and wipes some of that mud off of us. He That's cleanses right. us from all unrighteousness. And, and then we keep follow, following him. And if we fall again, we don't give up. And so I, I wanted to end with this one because I think there might be listeners out there that you're saying, I hate my sin, yet I keep sinning. I hate the struggle and I, f- I feel like I fail and then I'll do good for a while and then I'll fail. Here's what I want you to see. Jonathan Edwards, he was unwilling to give up. He, he, and he was not a perfect man. He sinned and he did not give up. And I, I, here's what I'd say to our listener. Don't give up. If you're in the middle of your sin right now, maybe just moments ago before turning this on, you did something you know you should not have done. Or maybe after turning this off, you're going to find yourself in a situation where you blow it again, right? Like if that's you, return to Christ, confess your sin, find a brother or sister in Christ that you trust that loves you, go to them and and ask them to pray with you and care for you. Don't give up. Keep walking. You, you can kill your sin. God's spirit will help you. Don't give up. That's right. And this is why I tell my, uh, my youth guys, like we are given the church and we are given brothers for that reason is to lock shields and march in step together. We're not lone heroes and lone rangers out there, you know, going all full tilt Aragorn versus the orcs here. No, this, we are an army and we are meant to serve together. There's only one that that goes alone into victory. We all follow him. That's right. Christ through his death and resurrection. We have been given the victory, even though the battle's hard through his death and resurrection. We are guaranteed eternity with him forever, even though right now there's ups and downs. And so that's, that's the vision we want to hold on to. And that's the, that's really the resolution we're talking about today to resolve, to kill your sin, to mortify your sin, to put to get death, your sin, even when you fail to turn to Christ and confession, that's part of it, right? Yeah, man. So, uh, we are at about 34 and a half minutes. Do you have any uh, closing thoughts as we've been talking about resolutions, vivification, mortification, just, or, or tying it over into the episode you missed about bringing different roles in our lives under Christ. I guess my final thoughts are just to recognize how this is, this parallels kind of the last series we did. And, and it's really the foundation of how you, you go about the Christian life, right? The last series we, we called it, I'm done. Right. And we said, you know, the acrostic there is D is don't ignore your reality, right? Be honest that you, you need help, that you need a savior, that you are a sinner, right? To, to, to be brutally honest, 
That's the confession part. And we said the O is, is outlook. The term is outcome. So look to Christ. We said, look at Christ and his person, who he is and what he's done. Take your eyes off yourself, off your sin, off your situation. Look at Jesus. That's what's happening here. I'm going to him even in my failure. And then we said the O is, okay, then recognize you've been given a brand new life. Your old life is gone. It's dead. We, we, we battle to kill our sin, but our old life has actually been buried with Christ right. and his death. And so now you are free to do everything for the glory of God. This is part of Edward's self-examination. He's saying, am I doing everything for God's glory? So I'd say, hey, if, if you're in the battle, just remember that. Don't ignore your reality. On Christ, look. New life is yours. And, and, and everything is for the glory of God. That, that's the simple pattern. You can remember that. You can memorize that. You can hold on to it. You can cling to that. You can repeat it over and over again and maybe even attach the scriptures that we preached from on those past, on those messages. It's all part of the deal of walking with Christ. Man, that is just awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Mike, just for spending time and being able to to walk us through these resolutions guys and gals thank you for tuning in and listening i definitely encourage if you haven't seen those episodes on the done series go on back they're available on youtube and i believe they're available on our faith life site as well so they're even on this podcast channel and this podcast channel man i'm out of touch Go ahead, check those out. And guys, if you are struggling, you have resources. You have people who are here to to come alongside you. So always feel free to reach out to me, Pastor Mike, to Andrew. We want to pray for you. And I'll go ahead and I'll pray right now. And uh, Stephen, nice job uh, hosting the podcast today. Hey, I only had to put like five markers down of things we have to delete. <laughs> let's uh, let's pray. Father, we, we come to you in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ who died and rose again. It's in Christ that we we find that we've been cleansed from all of our sin and all of our unrighteousness. And so we we come to you confessing we, we need that cleansing. We come to you confessing that we fall still. And yet, Lord, it's our resolve that by your spirit, we put to death the deeds of the flesh. Father, I pray that your spirit would strengthen us. It would give us a fortitude and it would give us a, a burning vision for holiness. It, it would give us a humility that we would not hold on to our sin. We would not justify it. We would not rationalize it. God, I pray it would give us a, a strength that would make us so strong that we would confess to people in our lives that we trust about the struggles that we face and the challenges that we have. And God, ultimately, I pray that you're glorified in us as we walk in holiness and as we kill our sin. And we pray this all in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next time.